To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. So they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah. Look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just. You're going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Really too much. That's what we're I'm going like for Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it f***ing did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself! JayAaronPositiveSarcasm.com Recorded here from the sandbox Like, subscribe, share, donate PositiveSarcasm.com Slash donate Every amount is appreciated 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 Find me on Instagram at Positive underscore sarcasm Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm Gab AI positive sarcasm Minds positive sarcasm Email me directly Positive sarcasm at outlook.com Check out my other channels Positive sarcasm and positive sarcasm reactions Be sure to smash that like button and subscribe and share and then also if you want to email me directly or if you want to go through my contact section posing music for bodybuilders all that stuff the season is upon us go ahead and reach out to me with all your questions concerns, comments um if you are looking for a wedding videographer and you're on bark.com hit me up hit my profile up or just contact me directly Oh, tis the season, rap. There's a couple things missing behind me because we are wrapping up this year at, uh, by this side of New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast. And I've got most of my stuff already in storage for the transfer. Um, you know, uh, some house cleaning stuff. So, um, last year, uh, I had a reservation at a restaurant called The Galley Hatch. Galley Hatch is like this, you know, family dining type of restaurant. And during COVID, they had like these, uh, they had like these igloos like build up. So like everybody could like sit outside and like heated stuff or whatever. And like their own little heated fine dining. I don't know. It was just like a cool thing that we could do. And I had it reserved for like a bunch of people and stuff like that. But uh, sadly, due to my situation last year, I had to cancel I was really looking forward to going, just, you know, eating out in, in Hampton for the first time ever. Um, I, w- I was looking forward to 
going there, but I sadly had to cancel that reservation. Um, it's funny how how different life is now, just a year later with me moving and grooving as I am now. One year later, um, moving to this place, I helped this woman move her couch. And uh, first of all, my nephew, that fucking kid, I swear to God, uh, shows up in his truck to move a couch, took like 10 minutes. He gets paid $50 in cash. And then he gets a $100 friggin' meal, everything. And he gets some chick's number. Didn't have to do anything to get it. But whatever. Okay. He'll throw some messages. I'm, I'm not, I'm good. But, um, we were, I mean, because they're like, you guys want some pizza? And I'm like, no, 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 we're better. We're, we're high class, poor people. (laughs) So, um, we went to, we went to the galley hatch just over a year later. And I have to tell you, um, it was worth the wait. It's one of those things. It's like what worth the wait. I, I was amazing how good the food was, and I'm generally not a huge fan of eating out because I generally get I, I I usually get disappointed by the amount of lackluster f- flavor or the the you know the the how the food just kind of like I don't know just it feels like I'm eating overpriced cafeteria food plus with the price of inflation i just don't feel like when i'm going out that i'm getting anything that i i truly bargain for um but this was everything was so good i mean we started off with, with drinks i didn't get anything i just got like some some seltzer with lime which was fine i mean i pounded those down uh to me like this drinks and everything and then we start off with some appetizers we got mussels and garlic sauce Awesome. We ate the whole damn thing. Uh, they were out of bacon cheddar skins, but we was like, okay, we wanted to get something savory and then something a little different, something starchy and then something else. And we threw it all together. Um, the mussels and garlic sauce were awesome. I mean, the breading, the bread was great. The, gar- the, the mussels themselves were super fresh. And the, the, the juice that they were dripping in, ah, oh, so, so good. And as, or as my nephew says, phenomenal. Everything is phenomenal although some of the places he's taken me to not so phenomenal this place it was good i had a good time and it was a great time um you know bonding with my nephew it was definitely exactly what we did there was some lady who who was screaming and ran out of the restaurant but that was more entertainment for us than anything else don't touch me um but besides that so then we had uh, chicken strips but not just any type of chicken strips like these like they had like th- layers to them and they were just tender from the very tippy top like just you know sensitively crunchy from the very outskirts of it to just down to the very actual chicken itself it was just it was um what's that breading um not tofu you freaking idiot the other one <laughs> yeah the other one from tofu uh the panko breading and they gave us like five different sauces and it was awesome. And we just were destroying our faces with, from everything. And then we had burger, which came with onion rings. So we had this perfectly cooked Angus burger cooked to his preference. And he had a half and I had a half. And we just were still shoving our uh, food in our faces. And then on top of that, we had this big old 
order of macaroni and cheese with panko breading on top of that with uh, crispy peas and um, something else in there. But literally, like, five bites into that, I was done. I was like, oh, no. I am stuffed. And he didn't even have a bite. So I'm like, what am I going to do with a $16 plate of freaking macaroni and cheese? So, uh, you know, I spent the next three days feeding it to Chase. (laughs) Son of a bitch. He he sometimes sometimes eats better than I do. You know, it's definitely a close race for seconds sometimes. Um, But, yeah, it was great. Like, going there, we were at the way, absolutely delicious place. If you're ever in Hampton Beach, uh, if you head over to Lafayette Road, the galley hatch, um, awesome. Just a a really, really good time. And they also have, like, a, a little pastry market, too, just in there. Um, that you can go and get like, uh, you know, little, little things here and there. Some of them look really cool. You can get coffee as well, which I totally did. We grabbed the coffee. The coffee was delicious too, but they, you know, they're doing a lot and they're doing it well. And despite, you know, staffing shortages, it, uh, you know, in, in inflation, I mean, it was still, everything was worth every penny. And, uh, you know, I, I have a rule, uh, for every hundred dollars, uh, I tipped an extra 5%. So, like, at 95, you tip, like, um, every, for like, I was, like, at 95, I tipped 25. So, if it's over 100, I tip 30. If it's over 200, I tip 35. You know, I, I, I crank it up there. Because if you're going to spend that type of money, you should be able to afford the tip, in my opinion. I don't like shitty tippers. It's I'm not a fan of that. But go ahead and check that one out. Um, let's see. Okay, yeah. So there were a couple things uh, that my uh, executive producer sent me over the week. Um, now, we should definitely talk about this Twitter thing, and then maybe we'll take a soft landing. Uh, but Elon Musk, as you already know, has taken about 9%. It, ju- it was released, and then Twitter jumped about 30%, 20, roughly 25 to 30% in its value per share, from about 38 to about $45 a share. And I think it's sitting around $45, $50 a share. I can double check for you right now, actually. Currently sitting at $45.08 aftermarket, $1.76. Uh, $1. Uh, so uh, about $46.75. And tomorrow is Good Friday, which means the markets will be closed. Damn it, and I have extra cash going into the market tomorrow morning. And I won't be able to spend it on anything. <laughs> but that being said... Um, ooh, what do I want to spend it on? Do I want to get more uh, monthly divs or do I want to take a shot at Twitter? Mm. Ooh, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. The thing is, so he has 9% of it, but the damage has already been done as far as the 25% gain. But here's the, here's the other thing is he's, I believe, according to this, he made an offer. And first of all, to take over Twitter, we're talking what, 800 million shares are available. So he'd have to buy like every single share or the vast majority of it, he would need 15, 51% to be like the majority like ruler of Twitter. And Twitter is, I think, one of the cheapest social medias you can buy at 45 bucks a share still. Um, that being said, with if with Elon Musk uh, steering the ship, I mean, look at the price of, 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 you know, Tesla and how quickly it's ascended. Imagine what he could do with Twitter. Quite possibly, you know. Um, but the biggest concern over Twitter that I a, a, a thing that I've not been on since 2018 um, is its free speech 
uh, non-free speech policy. There's a lot. There is a lot of censorship. There's a lot of suspensions, shadow banning, banning altogether, suspending political figures. Uh, um, the, it's um, censorship of the uh, Hunter Biden uh, laptop story that was posted. That was done by the the New York Post, one of the oldest papers in the world. Um, so these are some, or excuse me, at least in the United States. So there's a lot of concern there. But Elon Musk is like Elon Musk is like one of these free free speech th- uh, firmists and all that other stuff. But um, as far as the article goes, so there was a staff meeting that was called. Actually, let me just pull this. This is by Seeking Alpha, and then there's an op-ed that I also wanted to talk about too from uh, Wired, uh, an op-ed by um, who's this nice person, uh, Lisa Johansson Kopitz. Um, I think that's maybe she's from Bloomberg. Oh, no, that's the, the images. Whatever. Anyways, um, as far as the news on it, so he has 9% stake of Twitter, okay, which makes him the second majority. Like, I think uh, somebody else has it uh, a little bit more, just a little bit more. But in, he made an offer of around $43 billion of a basically a takeover. Now, they're calling it a hostile takeover, which I believe is essentially – what is a we could let's just Google what or excuse me let's look up what is a hostile takeover of a country what is a hostile takeover of a not a country a, a company uh, of a public company public company and so I can at least explain it to you a little bit more hostile takeover um, okay there we go all right. Term hostile takeover refers to the acquisition of one company by another corporation against the wishes of the former. The company being acquired in a hostile takeover is called the, is called the target company, while the one executing the takeover is called the acquirer. In a hostile takeover, the acquirer goes directly to the company's shareholders or fights to repl- uh, replace management to get the acquisition approved. Approval of a hostile takeover is generally completed through a, either a tender offer or a proxy fight. Key takeaways. Hostile takeover occurs when an acquiring company attempts to over, uh, take over a, t- a target company against the wishes of the target company's management. An acquiring company can achieve a hostile takeover by going directly to the target company's shareholders or fighting to replace its co- management. Hostile takeovers may take place if a company believes the target is undervalued or when an active, activist shareholders want changes in a company. A tender offer and a proxy fight are two methods methods in achieving a hostile takeover. Target companies can use certain defenses, such as the poison pill or a golden parachute to ward over hostile takeovers. So defending voters' rights, employee stock ownership. What is a poison pill? Defense tactic is known as a shareholder's rights plan. It allows existing shareholders to buy newly issued stock at a discount if one shareholder has bought more than stipulated percentage of the stock. So resulting in a diluting of the ownership interest of the acquiring company. The buyer who triggered the defense, usually the acquiring company, is excluded from the discount. The term poison pill is often used broadly to include a range of defenses, including issuing additional debt, which aims to make the target less attractive, and stock options to employees that vest upon a merger. Um, So say the company has 800,000 or 800 million shares, um, if they wanted to dilute the value of Elon Musk's current ownership uh, amount, they could issue another 200000 or $200 million or whatever to basically make him not the majority holder. The problem is, is every time you 
issue more, generally speaking, every time you issue more shares, you are, of course, cutting that piece of the pie even more than you already have, which makes uh, the, share, the current shareholders, quite frankly, annoyed in a sense that, well, maybe they can buy more shares, but then the current shares they have are now worth less. So that can be annoying. So that is one method of staving off that. The question is, do they want to do that? Because maybe at the end of the day, the current CEO and the current majority shareholders or minority shareholders as well, just want to get paid. Because if Elon is willing to take over the company in a, in a proxy or in a, a bid to just basically buy up all the shares and go private, he's going to have to pay, generally, have to pay more than what the current share price is going for. So for example, if the share price is at $45 a share and he wants to take majority ownership, then he's going to have to pay more. Now, how much more? Could be 10, 15, 20%. Um, so there are estimates that over $50 a share would be needed in order to take over the company or to buy the enough share, buy enough shares to take over the company. Now you could say, well, I'm not selling, selling my shares. Well, you don't have a say. For example, you could own a bunch of shares in a company and then somebody decides to take the company private or pseudo private or whatever. They can just take your shares back. However, they're going to give you a certain amount. And generally speaking, when you own a, a uh, when you own shares in a company, they just take the company private, or they want to buy it back full capacity, or whatever. They just give you money for your shares and then take your shares. It's like, oh, you own thirty shares of Ford, but Ford is now going to go private, so you own them at seven dollars a share. They're now worth sixteen, so we're going to put a number here to take it over. Say eighteen dollars a share. Here's eighteen dollars for your thirty shares of Ford, but now you have no shares, but you do have. 18 times 30. So you have that cash to go and do something else. Do you have to pay taxes? I believe you do. But then again, you don't have a choice. That's one of the things that happens in the stock market. So, but at the end of the day, if you are looking to make a premium, that's one way of looking at it. And I don't believe Twitter, 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 Twitter offers a dividend payout quarterly. At least I don't think they do. I, then again, I don't own them. But anyways, continuing on with the story, the, he didn't give a timeline. So CEO uh, Paraj Ag Agraval told uh, employees that the board is still evaluating Musk's bid. The current bid, $43 billion. He didn't give a timeline for when the board might answer the Verge reports, but it said it will go a, a rigorous process to make a decision in the shareholder's best interest. This, in the shareholder's best interest. And then the shareholders' best interest, at the end of the day, they want to get paid. The number one question coming from workers was whether the bid was for real or whether it could result in a major overhaul of the service. Agraval said he understood frustration, but that he was legally constrained from going into great detail, which is true. The New York Times reports, this provides all of us with this moment where we feel distracted. Quote, we feel a loss of control. Quote, Mr. Agraval said, according to the New York Times, I'm personally going to spend my time focusing on things that I can control, and I believe it will matter. That came after Musk launched preemptive volleys from the platform itself, or using its, his tweets to suggest the matters go to holders. The matter go to holders. Quote, it would be utterly indefensible not to pursue this offer to a shareholder vote. They own the company, not the board of directors. He ran a poll asking whether the $54.20 share go private offer should be up to the shareholders and not the board. And yes was winning at 84% to 16% late Thursday. 
other questions from workers such as what would happen to employee stock options in a go private deal. He got an answer that it's too soon to speculate about that, The Verge notes. Meanwhile, Musk's relative recent status as Twitter's top shareholder has expired. A weekend filing from Vanguard Group recently, um, number two to Musk with an 8.4% stake, amended his stake uh, statement to ownership of market 10.29 stake, 10.29% stake, larger than Musk's 9.2. Okay. Twitter shares behaved in an extraordinary manner. They declined 1.7 on a day despite the takeover, offering 19% premium to yesterday's close, even if still below, blah, 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 blah. With the employee meeting wrapped up, the stock is now up 3.7% after hours. Earlier Thursday, Twitter was reported to be reported to be considering a poison pill uh, shareholders' rights approach to prevent Musk from pursuing a rapid increase in his ownership. We just talked about what a poison pill is. Um, so... As far as additional other strategies, sometimes a company's management will defend against unwanted hostile takeovers. Uh, let's see. We already talked about what a poison pill. Uh, how can management preempt a hostile takeover? Uh, is, is differential voting rights, like establishing a share class with fewer voting rights and a higher dividend. These shares become attractive investment, making it harder to generate the votes needed for a hostile takeover, especially if management owns a lot of the shares with more voting rights. Company may establish an employee stock ownership program. ESOPs allow employees to own a substantial interest in the company. This opens the door for employees to vote with management, making it a fairly successful defense against being acquired. The question is, do you want Twitter employees to have more say in how the company proceeds forward? Sometimes that can crash a company. So that is also, that's also something you can, uh, that could be an issue. A poison pill could also be damaging. Other defenses. Company can use the crown jewel defense, a golden parachute, uh, a Pac-Man defense to defend, defend themselves against hostile takeovers. In a crown jewel defense, a company's bylaws require its most valuable assets to be sold in the event of a takeover. This can make the company less desirable. So whatever Twitter's, well, Twitter only has really one thing, and that's ability its ability to tweet. So if Twitter sells off its ability to tweet to another company, that seems like a legal shitstorm that I don't even I can't even begin to fathom how that even worked. That's literally its crown jewel. I don't know if you would even consider that or if it's even possible. Um, what else? This can make the company less desirable to be the to the acquirer. A golden parachute provides the top executives of the target with substantial benefits when the takeover is completed, which can deter can deter acquirers. A Pac-Man defense involves well, golden parachute. So basically, if anybody from the anybody in the uh, executive group, the all the top executives get like a giant like payout if they decide to get taken over and quit. Here's the thing. It takes a long time to negotiate this shit. You can't just do this stuff. You can't just all of a sudden throw this stuff out there. Oh, we're going to, you know, I think you can. All this stuff has to be legally done. You have to get that paperwork out there almost immediately. But I think that Elon Musk already knows what he's going to do before. He, he's already done it. Like whatever he's planning to do, he's already thought it out. He already knows what he wants to do. And I think this thing is most likely an open and shut case. He now owns 9% of Twitter. So the question is, what's hap what is yet to happen that has already happened or is happening that we don't know about yet? Because it takes some time for this stuff to actually be disclosed publicly. So Mike, uh, with the final hit, a Pac-Man defense involves the target company turning the tables and aggressively purchasing shares in the acquirer's company. So basically Twitter turning around and buying Tesla. 
But first of all, Tesla's share price right now. So if Tesla wanted to go after Elon to and do the Pac-Man defense, they would have to cough up $985 a share versus Twitter's $45 a share. I pff, good friggin' luck on that account. Uh what else have they got going on here? What else? So that was basically the situation when it comes to what can they do in defense of Elon? However, maybe the executives just want to get paid. Maybe they just want to get a fat premium, get out of there, and call it a day. And maybe some of them don't have a choice. So that being said, continuing on with the rest of the uh, the topic here. So Twitter still evaluating. Uh, Elon Musk is a, a secret code to silence Saudi Arabia. That's because I, uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe, has a, a large stake in Twitter. So, but at the end of the day, Elon Musk is like in the top five of richest people in the world. So he has the capital to take on Twitter, to take out Twitter, to 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 you know to eat up Twitter. He can do that. That being said. What is the op-ed about it? So by Wired, uh, like I said, this is by Lisa Johansson, uh, about right about Twitter. So the saga of – I'll read this up, and then I want to talk about something because I know we're heading – I'm heading personally in a different direction. Well, not in a different direction, but in a direction. So the saga of Elon Musk attempted to take over Twitter began appropriately on Twitter in late March. Given that Twitter serves as a de facto public town square, failed to adhere to the free speech principles, fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? We now know Musk's answer. Not long after his tweet, an SEC filing revealed he had quietly become Twitter's largest stakeholder. Now he's the second largest stakeholder, shareholder, excuse me. And on Wednesday, he sent a letter to Twitter's board declaring, board chair declaring his intention to buy the company for around $43 billion and take it private. His goal, he wrote, is to help Twitter realize its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. Musk was vague about what free speech means to him, but he is a firmist on it, or an absolutist, excuse me. But his motives, how do I look today? Okay, pretty good. But his moves appear to be about loosening Twitter's content moderation policies. In a live interview at this year's TED conference on Thursday, he basically confirmed those suspicions. When asked whether Musk owned Twitter where Musk owned Twitter would prohibit any content. He replied, I think obviously Twitter or any form is bound by the laws of the country that it operates in. There are some limitations on free speech in the U.S. and of course Twitter would have to abide by those. So essentially when he's talking about those laws in, in the United States because it's an American company, you're talking about like incitement of violence. You can say you don't like something, but to incite violence apartment, upon it, to incite violence upon something is not protected by free speech. That is actually incitement. That is not protected by the uh, by the by the First Amendment at all. An incitement of violence is uh, something that in my family we actually had a lawsuit in my family against. I be, I believe it's the Daily Stormer regarding this situation, where it's you can say whatever you want as long as you don't commit libel, slander, or incitement of violence. You do that, then you're actually violating the, this country's laws it's constitutional rights um so if this is really musk's plan it's terrible news the first amendment permits all kind of horrible speech that most people don't want to see in their social feeds allowing any legal speech would mean opening up twitter to ex explicit racism anti-semitism homophobia advocacy of violence and worse 
maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But then again, it for bad. If you want to combat bad speech, you basically combat it with good speech, intelligent speech, eye-opening speech. You have to let that air out of the can, otherwise, uh, it gets it just it stays there. It gets dense, it gets toxic, and it expands, and then it explodes. Um, now, as far as like anti-Semitism and racism, there's a lot of that stuff already on Twitter. It's just coming from an opposite direction, but we're not going to go into that. Um, his comments are still his comment. If this really isn't his intent, his comments are still terrible news. It means he sp has spent close to zero time thinking about seriously about free speech before attempting to buy Twitter in the name of free uh, of free speech. I think Elon Musk has spent plenty of time thinking about things. He's one of those people who spends a lot of time thinking about things. Uh, Musk is on firmer ground, however. When he calls Twitter a de facto public square, not everyone thinks so. On my feed, at least, that claim has drawn a fair bit of mockery. Some people have pointed out Twitter is a private company, not the government, and so can do whatever it wants. Others have argued that Twitter can't be a public square because most of the public doesn't even use it. Um, Twitter is far smaller than other social platforms. It has around 200 million daily active users worldwide and around 37 million in the U.S. Compare that to around 2 billion active users on Facebook or on YouTube or more than a billion for TikTok. Nor does Twitter have the kind of quasi-governmental market power of the biggest tech gains. It could. Meta's current market cap is around $575 billion. Precipitous fall from last year when it cleared $1 trillion, but still out of reach from the world's richest person. TikTok's parent company has been valued at $250 billion, but it is still controlled by the Chinese government. Next to those numbers, Twitter looks like small potatoes. And yet Musk is on to something. A platform important to democracy isn't purely a function of its size or even its popularity. Twitter may not be the biggest social network, but at least in the U.S., it is the most politically significant. This is probably less true internationally. The U.S. remains Twitter's biggest market. Its relatively small user base is composed disproportionately of people who influence politics and culture. It's where journalists, politicians, academics, and other elites spend tons of time. There's one of the, I mean, first of all, the censorship on Twitter and things of that nature is one of the reasons, like, Substack exists. That's where, like, Barry Weiss uh, uh, thrives at this time. She left the New York Times in a, in a, in a hissy fit, and she she basically lives there now and she has her own website uh, which is awesome uh where must choose to express himself if you want to influence public opinion don't post it on facebook you tweet this is true per se consider the case of jennifer say the former levi's executive who lost both her job and shot at becoming ceo because she refused to stop her ad outspoken advocacy for reopening public schools during the pandemic i recently asked say why she didn't simply refrain from tweeting she told me that first of all she just didn't tweet she organized rallies and wrote op-eds. She appeared on Laura Ingraham's Fox News show to discuss her decision to move to Denver so her youngest child could enroll in a person in-person school. But Twitter was the killer app. That's what enabled me to get invited to the mayor's office, she said, for her tweets on the public. Twitter might not be the biggest social media platform, but it is where journalists are. And it is where influence and connection influencers are connecting with each other. I was in, so I was invited to conversations that I thought could make a difference, and that was because of Twitter. That doesn't happen on Facebook. The whole thing happened. The whole thing with Fox happened because of Twitter. I had tweeted that we were moving to Denver. Denver. I think Jake Tapper retweeted it. It got picked up. This doesn't happen on other platforms. Public Square not be it may not be a perfect term for this, as the legal scholar Marianne Franks has written. But whatever you call it, it's hard to deny that Twitter is the place you to be if you want to be heard by people with power. 
This means access to Twitter has become an oddly crucial tool if you want to participate fully in democratic life. The, by most accounts, the reason the right to free speech is enshrined in the First Amendment. This is extremely unhealthy. Treating Twitter as a gauge of public opinion leads political figures to take unpopular positions favored by loud online activists, accelerating political, accelerating political polarization. I can't really argue too much against that, um, or really at all, because, yes, unpopular opinions can take shape in ugly ways on Twitter. Can it accelerate political polarization? Absolutely. All social media can. Online activism? <laughs> That's where it came from, Twitter, definitely. Um, it warps the media organization's baseline sense of what people believe and care about. True. But then again, the media is also a... They're, they also drive their own narrative as well. They don't necessarily... And they also are driven by whomever's paying them. I.e. Pfizer. A, let's see. Uh, a, common, a comment that goes viral on Twitter might have tens of thousands of retweets. That looks a lot... Well, it looks like a lot, but it's actually a tiny non-representative sample of the population. Plus, some unknown share. Excuse me, just looking at something really quick. Okay. Um, Twitter is driven by, uh, what's, ooh, what's this? It looks like a tiny non-representative sample of the population. Plus, some unknown share of those retweets probably came from bot accounts. Also true, and all, yeah, and absolutely proven, backed up. Even as the user base looks more like a society overall, Twitter is driven by an engagement-based algorithm that feeds Algorithmic feed that rewards outrage, sensationalism, and virality. Virality, I think it is. Uh, yep. All in the service of selling ads. True. Meaning what you see there is not the product of some organic, deliberative process. Those same design features hack the brains of media and political elites. As well, not too often, leading them to behave like assholes in, the public, in public in the pursuit of attention and engagement. Okay. Fair argument. Will any of this change if, if Musk's hostile takeover succeeds? Probably not. During the TED interview, along with his suggestion allowing twi uh, about allowing off-legal speech, Musk made the more sensible argument that Twitter's ranking algorithms and enforcement decisions should be public and transparent. He sta his stated view is that given Twitter's importance, quote, having a public platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. And that's basically Elon Musk's entire point of existence is basically trying to further uh, civilization. Um, but he is a capitalist. So, yeah, he's going to make money, obviously. Um, but perhaps the real problem, because, you know, he's got to pay his workers and he pays them well, apparently. But perhaps the real problem is that Twitter is so influential in the first place. Here, neither Twitter nor Musk is to blame. We journalists are. It's the media's fixation with Twitter that drives its political importance because getting attention on Twitter is a shortcut to getting press attention, which all politicians and some eccentric billionaires covet. How did we get here? Over the past de decade, practically everyone in the media came to feel that they had to be on Twitter. It seemed essential for promoting uh, stories and reaching audiences. Over the years, it's grown into an unhealthy addiction for some individual journalists. Guilty, she wrote, writes, and a field at large. Reporters and editors often... Uh, have a green light to waste time scrolling through social media during work hours, also known as doom scrolling. Since no one know, ever knows when something important will appear in the feed, whole stories are based on trends observed on Twitter. A viral tweet is used as evidence of popular sentiment. Some under-resourced newsroom lean on Twitter's feeds as a cheaper, faster substitute for deeper reporting. And some of us mistake Twitter engagement for journalistic impact, even though Twitter drives far fewer readers to stories than Facebook or Google search. Um, 
The good news is that there are some signs of profession is nearing a moment of clarity. Washington Post, who is owned by Jeff Bezos, by the way, columnist Megan McArdle has argued that the way to fix what Twitter has done to public discourse is for major, quote, major institutions in the media and think tank world to tell their employees to get the hell off Twitter. Recently, New York Times executive editor Dean Baguette issued a memo to staff informing that they were required to not required to have a Twitter presence and urging them to spend less time on the platform. That's an important signal because unilaterally withdrawing from social media is not really an option for journalists lower down on the totem pole. Twitter's board may not accept Musk's uh, bid. The fact that it's even a possibility, however, is deeply alarming. One man shouldn't have so much power over the public square. Luckily, there's nothing inevitable about Twitter playing that role. Perhaps Musk's takeover bid will prompt the media to rethink its dependence on a for-profit social platform that doesn't necessarily have the public interest at heart. If that happens, Musk, re re Musk really will have to follow through. Will have followed through on his promise to strengthen democracy, just not the way he imagined. So there's a lot of uh, back and forth here in this article. Now, the news rethinking the way it does its journalism and the employees of Twitter rethinking the way how they do business and Twitter rethinking how its way of doing business. I don't know. I don't know if they think they're on the precipice. And quite frankly, this could already be an open and shut case. Quite, I mean, it's perfect. When you think about it, it's perfect timing. Perfect timing. I mean, he already put brought 9% in there. Second largest shareholder. Also, the fact that... Uh, it's Good Friday tomorrow, which means no U.S. stocks can be purchased. So basically, if I wanted to buy Twitter tomorrow, if I wanted to buy some shares of Twitter tomorrow, I can't. I can't because the stock market isn't open. It will not be open until Monday. So I literally have to wait to see what has been filed this week that hasn't been disclosed yet. I have to wait three whole days to see what happens with Twitter first thing Monday. And by the time I find out, the stock could have shot up a ton. It could have shot up on a 20%, 30%. I don't know. Who knows? It, it, they could just say, hey, we want your money. We'll take the huge premium. We'll get the hell out of here. And then you can have whatever. Because here's the thing. If Elon withdraws his offer or sells his shares, Twitter's stock value will fall. And when Twitter's stock value falls... That means the people who currently own the shares will lose money. So do you want to lose money or do you want to make a huge premium? At the end of the day, it's like you have to make that decision. If you're get willing to be offered a huge premium for your shares, um, you, may, you'll, you may not have... Well, first of all, you don't have a choice. You're probably just going to take it. So... That's, I mean, I, like I said, by the time this decision is made and it's disclosed, I won't have it. I won't find out till Monday. I won't find out till Monday. Musk already may already have this whole thing wrapped up in a bag. Um, and that's pretty much it. There won't be any more profit to make off of it unless you decide. I mean, here's the thing. Tesla's a public company. It's a publicly traded company still. Okay. The whole point of buying Twitter is to take it private. So is is Twitter going to do like a huge roll a run up like like 
Tesla did? Like Tesla did and is still doing? No. Probably not. It may have a huge initial jump, but eventually it's going to get bought for a certain price, and that's going to be the end of it, and it's going to go private. And then you can't buy its shares anymore. So Tesla, you still can, but Twitter's you won't be able to. So once he buys it, that's pretty much game over at that point. Um, so it being being bought at like $52 a share is about could be as high as it's going to go. And that's it. There's no more profit to be really be made after that. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but I think something has already been done. The offer, well, first of all, the offer has been made. They have to make a decision. They can either take it or they can leave it. And um, we'll find out more next week. Maybe he is bluffing. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But once again, he's on Elon Musk. He's one of the richest people in the world. I mean, he's not a Rothschild, but still, the guy can do pretty much whatever he wants. And we'll just see what happens from there. But I don't know. We'll move on to something else. I actually just want to talk about, um, I know that I am uh, I'm obviously relocating in a few days. And it's like, well, if I'm moving into a new place, I'm going from a furnished house to an unfurnished uh, uh, place. And it's like, well, you know, what do I want to put in there? And how long do I want to be there? And what kind of style? I, I do want to keep myself relatively light. Like, for, for example, I do want to make sure that a place that I'm moving into can, f like, I have a storage facility right now. And I basically realized that my entire life currently, with the exception of my cars, um, can fit inside of a 5 by 10 storage facility. And that kind of puts life into perspective. It's like, my whole existence uh, materialist, materialistically fits inside this little spot in the middle of small town New Hampshire. Um, and I don't necessarily feel bad about that. It just kind of it puts things in a little bit of a perspective. It's like you don't own much. You may own more than some. You definitely own less than others. But it's like, okay. Well, if I want to feel comfy in my new place and I'd rather focus on spending my money on uh, continuing to work on my, my Mustang or uh, putting more uh, putting uh, more money in my stock market and back into the stock market, which I've been doing uh, because I took a shitload out of it when I had to hire my lawyer. I actually emptied it when I hired my lawyer. Um, so now I have to put it back in. But I wanted to think of like I wanted to be comfy. The original... Um, spare parts studio. If you don't remember, maybe you've just logged on to my channel and you've, you've been, there was, maybe you, you saw the undisclosed location or you saw the sandbox. Um, but the, the spare parts studio was, was something special. It was something special because it really was all spare stuff. It was leftover recliners and club chairs and uh, you know, uh, display cases from the side of the road or a little table that uh, from Walmart that was like $10 and I spray painted it and I put glass over it. And, and it was it was something cool. I mean, even the, even the microphones were just leftover microphones I had from old projects and, and the old podcast from like five years ago. And it really was something special because when you sat down there, I sat down there, I had like a really comfy... Uh, a really comfy like chair that I sat in and what was really cool about that was like I was low enough to the ground where 
Chase could sit right next to me and pass out, or he could sleep in the other chair next to me and fall asleep. And I had that connection with him because I was lower to the ground. And I talked to you about my, um, you know, what coffee I was drinking. I was a little more animated, and you could see all of me, per se. I was a little farther away from the camera than I am now, because right now you basically just see, uh, you see an angle. You just see an angle. And I wanted to, I want to expand it a little bit more. You also saw the underground spare parts studio, which I had for, I had that for a couple months. Um, but I was also, I'm also looking to have that permanent structure for my studio. Um, so the question is, is like, also to just live in that style, live in that, in that thing. How do I want, what do I want there? Do I want to spend all my time and money like, I want to, I got to buy a couch and I got to buy this and I got to buy that. Or do I want to get stuff that's like fun and comfy and low to the ground and chill because there's so many ways of living life and it's not necessarily about the, the, you know, spending hundreds and some people spend thousands of dollars on couches, which I think is stupid. I think it's absolutely silly. So I was looking at like, what is one of the most comfy things that people sit in? And one of them is like a beanbag chair. Uh, Now beanbag chairs are not very big. They're not, uh, they're not the most comfy things, but they can be because I noticed that I was going on eBay and I was looking at um, like what would I get if I wanted to get like a beanbag chair or beanbag chaise and I got like a bunch of them like and I pushed, put them together and I was like, uh, well, that's one of the things. Everybody has to have some type of thing where if you have like another person in your house or if like Chase is sleeping uh, you know, there, it's like what can he lay on because he's a, he's a couch pupper and I want him to have something that's really, really comfortable. So I'm like, if I'm there, I wanted to get something really ridiculous, but it would be really cool. So I was looking at like beanbag loungers, basically like a giant futon that just lies in the ground and you can have like a bunch of them. Like you could have like, for example, this is like a beanbag chair. There's an oversized, like this one. Look at this girl. Look at this casting couch chick right here. Now the idea of this is like, I can have like one of these, like a big one of these, like a futon chair. And then around it, I can have like a, like a beanbag sofa chair or um, one of these things. Like a so- like this thing is, first of all, is awesome. This is a, um, it's a micro suede, seven foot giant beanbag. But this is just a color, a cover, excuse me. But you can get it in multiple colors. I would love to get it in like blue. And uh, item diameter, I would want it to be gigantic. Now, if I got one of those, I would love to put it next to another beanbag chair. And have that be like your living area, but also have it in a sense where if I was in the spare parts studio, it would be next to it. And then, you know, finally get my club chair back and just set it up in such a way where I could really have a a chill environment. Because when I'm relaxed, I I put out my best stuff. The question is, is like, do I want to do when I'm doing my music reactions, which which is actually doing quite well because I'm actually getting I've got a, a three or four reactions over a thousand views one over four thousand views and I want to see if I can offer like two different viewpoints of that or how, I'm just trying to think about how I want to do it but as far as the actual studio the spare parts studio setting that back up back up excuse me I want to have that type of environment where maybe um I have my desk set up for 
like the podcast. So I have the podcast desk and the camera facing at me, but behind me, you see like all the beanbag chairs and you see the uh, custom American flag made by Stephanie Wall and you see uh, a couple other items, but you get to see a, a more expansive, a deeper look at the spare parts studio. Um, and that's the one thing I miss about the spare, spare parts studio is it was the depth. There was all kinds of interesting things. It was very inviting. It was very inviting. A lot of work could get done. A lot of, um, I mean, I've slept in that fucking studio and it was awesome. I loved, I loved it so much and I want that feeling back. That was the, that's the one thing I'm missing here at the sandbox. Don't get me wrong. The sandbox has been, um, it's been a, a, a an awesome, uh, revival of everything here. Um, it helped me, uh, expand the reaction channel. Chase, what are you doing? Hey, lay down, lay down. Thank you, buddy. Ripping up the goddamn sofa. That's not even mine. Um, goofball, you goofball, you goofball. Are you a goofball? Huh? Anybody goofball? So I want that back, but don't get me wrong. This has been very, like, this gave me the chance to bring everything together. I, it allowed me to expand the, the Positive Sarcasm Reaction channel. It allowed me to continuing a little bit of, uh, of actual editing for the company, for uh, my own internal projects, and to kind of resettle my brain to see what I wanted to do next. But as far as getting, like, stuff like this, stuff, stuff like this would be really cool. I mean, look at this thing. What is this? This is a beanbag chair, large... Uh, Bed, couch, futon, sofa, outdoor, beach, seat, cushion, according to eBay. Which color would I want? Navy blue? Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Look at that thing. I think that would be perfect. I think that would be really cool for chillaxing. Um, let me see. What else What else does this thing do? Where is it at right now? It's in Fontana, California. 129 bucks for that big old thing. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, ooh, look at that. A cozy chair. Oh. And here's the thing. If you get one of the, like, if you get this thing right here, not that one, uh, not the girl, excuse me. But if you get this foam, it doesn't, it does this beanbag memory cover, this thing right here, it doesn't come with foam. There's no foam in there. So you, or, uh, yeah, there's no beans in there. So you have to buy the beans. However, you can. So Big Joe Mighty Bag Bean Refill for like 25 bucks, it's 75 liters. It depends on how many you can fill. Like I don't know how much that is. I don't know if you have to buy one bag or two bag, two bags. But if you buy, you can buy the beans, and then there's always a zipper in the back of these um, bean bags. I think this one's too small. That one's way too small, but it's pretty cool. But for this one, it's perfect. Like this one is seven feet. I don't know how deep it is. So. It is 90 centimeters. Its height is 90 centimeters. Seating capacity, too. Ooh. Um, let me look at this thing. Okay, so here's high-quality beanbag cover. Uh, oh, this is a nice little gift. So it opens like there's a little pocket right there. And then I... F That's pretty... Oh, that thing's freaking huge. Um, mostly is... Okay, so that's... What else are they doing here? Oh, they're just throwing it and thing. Okay. So, yeah, you can fill it. Uh, the package includes one beanbag cover. Um, great for dogs, reading, sleeping, watching TV, 13 colors inside it. Made out of microfiber, which is awesome. Super, super comfy. It comes in all these crazy-ass colors. I like that red one. That's really cool. The blue one's also pretty sweet. The red one might be a good go-to. Either red or blue. Red or blue. That would be pretty awesome. Um, 
Oh, here we go. How to fill the beanbag cover. Um, need to fill, let's see, 50 to 80 kilograms of sponge foam. Um, need to fill 80 to ki 80 kilograms of beans. So three to five. Okay, so sponge foam or PPP or PP cotton, which you can buy at places like Hobby Lobby. So how? let me go to the beanbag thing here. Mighty Joe beanbag, this is 75 liters. Oh, uh, how many? So what is that in... 75 liters is what? <laughs> we got to... Shit, we got to do this to meters and shit? Okay, hold on. So if we're going to go to here, um, 80 kilograms to liters. So let's do uh, 80 kilograms. Let's do 80 kg to liters is what? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I am such a moron. Uh, 770 liters? Really? Or am I doing this wrong? Hold on. So let's scroll. The, let's move this thing over, this one over to here. Um, 80 kilograms. And the beans. Where's my beans? Right here. This is 75 liters. Okay. So larger chairs may need two to three. Uh, okay, so I might have to buy a few of them, which is fine. Uh, let me see what else. Now, also, if you don't want to get uh, beans, because beans are pretty heavy, you can get uh, sponge foam. Uh, it depends on the density of the sponge. Or you can get uh, cotton. Cotton would be pretty sweet. Cotton's pretty light. Um, so that would be, it'd be interesting. So, oh man, that'd be so cool. So I think that might be something I'm willing to do. The question is, is how cheap can I get one of these things? So it's approximately $120. Um, I should be able to get a cheaper version. Like here's another one. Here's a micro suede one for 87 bucks. Select the color. Let's go. Ooh, that's a cute blue. That's really cute. Oh, we want bigger. We want a huge one. Let's do navy blue, 150 by 75 102 us dollars um that is freaking sweet so that's 102 can we go cheaper 96 oh wait i saw one for 92 let's see let's keep going 87 all right show me 87 let's go to dark gray Ooh, that's nice 102 so for around 100 bucks, you can probably find one of these. And then you got to buy like 50, 60 bucks worth of like of these bean things. Where are they? Um, here we go. Well the, well, the beans are here. The Big Joe Mighty Bag of Beans. Or you can go to like a Hobby Lobby or a Michael's Arts and Crafts and get like a shitload of cotton. So that's one way of doing it. So... This I, is something I want to do. I want to have a comfy lifestyle. I don't necessarily want a futon. Uh, they're cool and everything like that. Like futons are kind of cool because you can get them like style. They're they're compact. They're easy to move around. They're nice. They come in a lot of different different colors. They're a little more they're, but they're you get like a cool futon costs like two hundred fifty bucks. I want something that's like super comfy that I can just like pass out in, and I want Chase. It's it's more comfortable for Chase to sleep in too because, for him it would feel like a huge doggy bed. Um, something he's very used to. He's normal. He's used to sleeping on uh, beds, though. 
Um, and during the day, he also likes sleeping on couches. But couches he might rip apart because he has this tendency to like, and like, you know, scruff at the couch. But on a beanbag, he's probably just going to jump in the thing and pass out and he'll be done. And he'll feel safe because he's one of those people. He's one of those dogs that wraps up very, very tightly and, st- and puts his knee high up into his gut and then like sort of passes out like that. So I think that would be a perfect plan is to get something like this. I would want one of these seven foot giant foam bean bags. And absolutely, this is what I'm going to do. Most likely micro suede. And I think I'm also going to go with either this bean bag thingy right here, which would be cool. Um, and or one of these beanbag chairs. I think the beanbag chair would also be pretty sweet. And then that would be a backdrop behind me for when I'm doing the podcast, when I'm doing music reactions, because I don't want to be chilling on the ground when I'm doing music reactions. I like to stand up. I like to move around. I want to have that access. So that is an option for me. Um, so I'm going to work on that and go from there. But this is something I'm absolutely looking forward to. And also getting some really good lamps and getting some nice like LED lighting, I think will be perfect. So creating that vibe is really important to me. And this is, once again, this time, this is all for me. I mean, obviously the setup and the display is for you, but this time I won't get distracted. I promise you that this time I, uh, when it's gonna, this thing is happening, it's actually happening. Um, I'm making it work. There will be a temporary studio for a little bit of, for a, a, a few weeks and then I'll take some time off and then I'm going to get right after it. Like I'm doing everything. I'm getting back into the stock market. Um, I'm, I'm getting my teeth, uh, up. I'm getting my back teeth pulled. I, I have the insurance to do it. I'm getting my wisdom teeth, my, my for consultations in May. I'm finally having these fucking wisdom teeth ripped out of my face. It's going to be awesome. I'm doing all this stuff, I'm doing all this stuff. Um, I'm really excited to move into the next phase of my life. I'm looking forward to getting, uh, losing a little bit more weight and getting stronger because it's been a little, a little bit, I mean, even though I'm in a a two bedroom house here, um, by the seacoast, I do feel like I'm a little cramped and I want to be able to stretch out a little bit more. And I think I'm going to have the opportunity to do that in my new location going forward. And I think the good news is, uh, unless something else happens in my life, Staying in New Hampshire is now more of a long-term thing. I think that's going to be a, a strong possibility for me now. Whereas I was concerned that I may have to go ahead and use Florida as a backup plan. Florida may now become quite possibly more of a, hey, let's go down there and get an additional condo for my lifestyle as well as living up here full time. So we're going to work towards that. And we're going to do, me and Chase, we're going to do what we fucking want to do. We're going to do what we want to fucking do, and nobody else is going to get in our way of living the life that we want to live. And I wish I didn't I, I didn't make these mistakes years ago, but I'm not going to make them now. This is our life to live, and nobody's going to tell us any way, other way to do it. I have said no from very early on in 2021 to anybody who tried to get in my way or tell me how to live my life or tell me what to do or tell me where to live or tell me where to go. And that's not happening. And I've said no from that, from that day forward. And I'm going to continue to live that lifestyle. I'm going to be whoever the fuck I want to be and where and do whatever I want to fucking do. Whatever comes out of my mouth, I'm going to own it and I'm going to back it up. And nobody, no one is going to get in my way 
ever again because I will run you the fuck over because I have no apologies to make. I have nothing to lose. You can't take Chase away from me. You can't take my full-time employment away from me You can't, because I am the fucking shit. You cannot take my company away from me, my life's project away from me. It's literally tattooed on my fucking back. You can't do it. And whatever you take away, and whatever you try to take away from me, or whatever you think you're going to get from me, look, and maybe I'm speaking out of, or maybe I'm speaking a little bit more aggressively than I should, or I'm speaking out of turn, per se, or maybe I'm speaking too cocky. Forget it. You could take Facebook, Instagram, you could cancel me on social media. There's plenty of other social medias, and I'll do just as fine over there, and I'll continue to make my money. I'll continue to have checks coming in the mail. I'll continue to rise. I'll continue to excel. You know why? Because I'm not paying for anybody else. I'm not paying for anyone else's mistakes. And that's how it's going to continue to be going forward. And I'm going to buy what I want to buy and eat the way I want to eat, and schedule how I want to schedule. I wake up at 5 a.m. every fucking weekday, and every week more weekend, I wake up at 6 a.m. I hike, I walk, I run, I lift, I have a great time with myself, and I have everything that I need. So everything after this is going to be whatever the fuck I want. So it's my advice to you, is if you want to live a life where you do what the fuck you want and you don't answer to anybody, you have to quit being a pussy and get up earlier and get after it and don't fucking cry about the little shit. You have a lot of what you need. Stop buying shit that puts you in debt so you can't afford to drive what you drive. And you can't afford to live where you currently live. You have to like make sacrifices in, in terms of, well... I don't need you. You have to really think like, I don't, should I be doing some of this shit myself? And do I really need to be spending $30,000 on a, on a fucking new car because it has a warranty because I need a more reliable car. Supposedly when I get to work, it doesn't work like that. There's plenty of cheap shit out there. You have to look harder. You don't need to be spending, you know, fucking $5 a day on coffee when you can make it yourself. You don't have to be like me and really roast it yourself. But there are cheaper routes that you can take where it's actually more satisfying. I just see way too many lazy people going out there and buying way too expensive of shit. And there's way there's a way more comfortable method of living life while still trying to achieve the best. I mean, God, I, I want to explain it to you even more. But instead of just really explaining it to you, I'm just going to have to show you what can be done with so little. But I, I really, I really will. It, you're gonna see it. It's gonna be cool. It's a simple thing. It ain't a lot, but it'll be more than enough, and it will get better from there. I have a feeling if I just keep working on this, it'll be really, really cool. But at the end of the day, it'll also my lifestyle will allow me to still be flexible. So if anything were to change, I could literally just pack my shit up, my five by ten lifestyle, and get the fuck out of Dodge. I can do that. I have the capability of doing that. Nothing can hold me down. I can promise you that. But in the meantime, we're closing up shop in just over an hour because now I'm just starting to milk this little diatribe that I went on that I can't even remember what the fuck I just said to begin with. Thank you to my executive producer. Thank you to the people who do my artwork for me. Thank you to my uh, posing uh, people who uh, buy posing music from me. I really, really appreciate it. My, my, my fitness peoples out there. Thank you to the people who are uh, um, 
who are new to, new clients to me. Thank you to my supporters, my subscribers on all my channels, people who are questioning, concerning, co questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. You can email me uh, through my website or you can email me positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Keep the comments coming. Smash that like button. Beep. You know, do whatever it is that you do, but make sure it's because you want to do it and nobody else is pressuring you into doing it. Okay, and if you want to make some quick money, obviously, there is the Weeble app. There's a link in the description down below. Hit that up because I'm seriously, if you put a little bit of money into the account, you don't even have to buy any stock. You just open an account, put your money in there, uh, and you can take that money out if you want, but they'll give you like five free stocks, and then you could sell them and buy more and use that money to buy other stocks, or you can just take the money out and get some precious fuel in that tank or pay for your car insurance or whatever but it'll be your money at the end of the day. Take advantage of that. I'm serious. It's really, it's quite eye-opening. Have a little fun with it. But in the meantime, hit me up through social media. Hit me up wherever you want. Um, and then, of course, check out my channels. And um, if I guess that's it. We're also available on Rumble, too. So if you're not a big YouTube fan, you can hit me up on Rumble. And then there's all this other shit. Whatever. Okay, we're good. I'm going to close up shop here. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And uh, will I talk to you next week? Yes, I will talk to you next week. Recorded here from the Sandbox. Oh, by the way, audio version of this podcast is basically where everybody gets... I don't have any really... I don't have any viewers on fucking YouTube. Everybody listens to the audio version. So go ahead and check them out. If You're, you're all audio junkies. Anywhere where podcasts are available. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's everywhere. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Sandbox. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Turn
Somebody won't let you in One chance, one love 